You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. And now, here's your host, the Assistant Director of the Office of Career Advancement, Ruben Britt. Welcome to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. The late Secretary General of the United Nations, Kofi Annan, once said that literacy is a bridge from misery to hope. It is a tool from, for daily life in modern society. It is a bulwark against poverty and a building block of development. He goes on to say that literacy, finally, the road to human progress and the means through which every man, woman, and child can realize his or her full potential. Our guest today reflects that quote because she is creating a road to human progress. Joining us today is author, educator, and early literacy advocate, Maya Payne Smart. Maya, welcome to Career Talk. Thank you so much for having me. Maya, can you tell our listeners about your professional background? Yes, I am a journalist by a background. I went to graduate school in journalism and was a business reporter and education reporter for a number of years before having my daughter and getting really interested in and actually obsessed with the road to literacy and the road to reading for our kids. Now, what is your uh, current position? I'm the author of Reading for Our Lives, a Literacy Action Plan from Birth to Six, and I'm also an affiliated faculty member at Marquette University in Milwaukee. Now, as a college student, did you participate in, in an internship? I did. In college, my internships actually were in investment banking, so far afield from where I ended up in life. <laughs> now, prior to your role at Marquette, you were involved in a number of organizations, particularly in Texas. Can you tell us about it? Yes. My interest in learning about how kids develop reading skills and thrive in their education and careers led me to serve in a number of volunteer roles. I served on the board of the Austin Public Library Foundation, on the Central Texas Literacy Coalition, Texas Book Festival, and numerous other organizations, all connected in some way to education generally or reading specifically, because I wanted to have a lot of on-the-ground experience with how people access books, how people access information, how people advocate for better education and support, and for the learning resources that they need for their children and their communities more broadly. So lots of diverse experiences working in different library and literacy organizations. Now, you said that uh, uh, originally you, you were, uh, uh, your background was in business. When did you realize that you wanted to be a writer? I always knew that I wanted to be a writer, but I wasn't always proactive in, in charting that course as a career. So when I was in college, I was very much influenced by what upper class men were doing, the kinds of summer experiences they were having, the kinds of internships they were doing and the career path they were following. At that point in my life, I didn't take the initiative to carve out 
a path that was different from what I saw around me. So the thought really didn't even occur to me <laughs> to pursue writing specifically as a career, even though I knew I loved to write and wanted to write. I thought of it more as a secondary hobby sort of thing. But after doing two internships in investment banking and beginning a career at a bank, I quickly realized that that wasn't something I was passionate about and didn't want to build a career in that area. So at that point, I pivoted and worked in investor relations at a public relations firm and then went to journalism school to start writing and reporting. You know, it's, it's interesting you said that because you had a, you mentioned the word passion. And I, I know when um, I got the writing bug when I was in high school and then when I went to college, um, um, my, one of my English professors, who happened to be the advisor for the um, school newspaper, encouraged me to um, write uh, some articles for the, um, for the newspaper. And, of course, I was a uh, student athlete, so I wrote uh, articles about sports. Uh, and so it, from then on, I didn't realize that that passion was still there and here I am, X amount of years later. Um, I've written four books myself, and working on the fifth one right now. But what did, what was the biggest challenge that you faced when pursuing a career as a writer? One, it was just sort of finding role models and people who had made a full time living of doing the kind of work I was interested in doing. And so I was fortunate to get connected with the National Association of Black Journalists and found a number of writing um, colleagues and role models through that organization when I was in Richmond, Virginia. So for me, joining writing professional groups was helpful in having just some idea of how to craft a profession. Because at that point, I was working as a freelance writer. Okay. So I had to hone a skill set of not just doing the work of writing and reporting, but also pitching that work to publications and maintaining relationships and getting future assignments and, and all of those things. So once yeah. I got into it, I knew it was the path for me. Uh, I definitely can relate. Now you talked about your, your, your latest book. Um, what inspired you to write your book reading for our lives, a literacy action plan from birth to six. I mean, it was really powerful, uh, powerful uh, title as well. The initial, it wasn't always a book idea, but initially I got interested in just the question of how do some children become really skilled, fluent readers, and so many children don't. And there were a number of news articles that I read when my daughter was a baby and toddler that described really giant reading disparities between black children and white children and lower socioeconomic children and higher socioeconomic children. And I knew that within any of those categories, there is a lot of variation. So, of course, there were black children who were stellar readers and also those who needed greater support. And so I just wanted to dig into the specifics of what makes a strong reader in the years prior to reading in the years prior to school. Because when you read news reports that say kids are arriving behind in kindergarten, you have to ask yourself, well, what, what did they need? <laughs> what were their parents supposed to give them? And who told the parents and supported the parents in providing that strong foundation for learning in school. So that is what, what sparked my interest. And as I dug into it more and read articles and interviewed people and took a graduate course in the foundation of reading instruction and also just started interviewing experts in a number of different subject areas, I learned more about infant learning 
and reading instruction and all these different areas. And I really wanted to package the information in a way to make it usable for all parents. Um, I, I, I remember when, when my son and daughter uh, were born, um, when folks were giving them gifts, we, we encouraged a lot of them to, to um, you know, give them a book because we wanted them, we want to plant that seed early. And, and I see in terms of reading about your background, that that's one of the things you, you've, you've tried to do. Now, what topics do you address in the book? So in the book, I really want to empower parents to think of themselves as teachers and to know that they really have an outsized impact on their children's lifelong trajectory just because of all of the the brain development and connections that are forged in the earliest years of life. So I give parents practical tips and ideas for teaching vocabulary. All of the words that a child hears in conversation with you and the words that they speak are words that they'll one day be able to recognize in print. I spend a lot of time talking about oral language and vocabulary and just back and forth conversations with kids, even when they're babies, before they can speak back to you in words and sentences. I teach parents how to teach phonemic awareness, which is the awareness of the individual sounds, speech sounds within words. So the fact that cat has three sounds, we forget as fluent readers, <laughs> the kids really need to hear those sounds in order to, down the road, recognize the connections between those sounds and the letters that they see in print. So I teach parents also about how to bring kids' attention to print and teach them that text runs from left to right on the page or top to bottom. I talk about how to teach letter names and shapes and sounds and also how to begin to teach those letter-to-sound connections and a little bit of spelling as well. Now, uh, what message um, do you want to do? You want your book to convey? I want parents to understand that reading begins long before kids get to school, mm-hmm. and that there are so many things parents can do easily in everyday life in the time we already spend with our children to lay a really strong foundation for learning, and that it's critical that we do so because there are so many challenges in schools these days that it's not. There's no guarantee that your child will get an excellent reading instructor who can take them from where they are when they arrive to the next level. So as parents, we really have to feel a sense of urgency about doing our part prior to the school years. Now, what was the most surprising uh, things that you learned in writing your book? Really, it surprised me how important those early years are and how things that don't look like reading really contribute to reading success. So there were numerous studies about, I mentioned the back and forth conversations with kids, even before they speak in words. So responding to coos and babbles as if they were conversation. That there were studies that showed the kids who had more back and forth conversational exchanges when they were 18 to 24 months had much larger vocabularies and higher IQs even as middle schoolers. I think that's a really powerful insight that the things you're doing early really do have an impact. Now, what advice can you give to an aspiring writer? To an aspiring writer, I would say take yourself and your work seriously as soon as possible. So if you have that that sense within yourself that you are a writer and you want to write, pick up a pen and start writing or open your laptop and start writing. 
and do it every day. It doesn't have to be for long. It can be a few paragraphs. It can be one paragraph, but try to get yourself in the habit of writing something (laughs) because the next art, once you have produced the words is editing and refining and expanding and all of that, but it, you can always make something better. (laughs) So the first thing is just to start writing and to read about the craft and writers, there are numerous writers, publications, and lots of wonderful resources, build connections with other writers and support their work, go to book events, and just kind of immerse yourself in in the kind of writing that you want to do and, and become an avid reader of that genre or that area as well. But what makes you a writer is sitting down and writing. <laughs> so that's number one. Now, uh, I had opportunity to um, um, check out your web your web page and, and um, on on your website you have a, a lot of good information that you share, particularly in the resources section. Um, can you shed some light on that as well as other as uh, other links on your website? Yes. So the resources section has been kind of a labor of love for me for a long time. (laughs) So initially it was just me writing articles and writing about books I've read or activities that I've done with my daughter or thoughts and ideas and things I wanted to share with parents. And then over time I've expanded to have other writers who contribute to the site and some are contributing recipes. They're called read with me recipes, the little short, simple recipes that you can do with a child. But in the recipe are specific um, words or sounds that you can teach with to emphasize. For example, one is a smoothie recipe. So there's some ideas on how to teach the ooh sound that's made when you have two O's together and so little things like that. So we have recipes, we have activities, we have book lists for all the different holidays and all of those resources are just meant to make it easy for parents to dive in and find something to do that educational, but also light and fun and inexpensive and easy to integrate into their days. So every week we publish at least one new thing to give parents an additional free resource for raising readers. Now, uh, you teach courses at Marquette. What what courses do you teach? So I'm new at Marquette and I'm actually not teaching this semester because I've been focused on the book. But when I teach at some point, I will. It will be probably more in journalism. So kind of the and I view my work there as primarily forging partnerships and bringing people's attention to early literacy and also parents' roles as literacy leaders in their children's lives. So I've visited the, the College of Education and supported some programs that are happening there, but see myself more in a role as a, a community liaison. Now, when you were in Texas, did you teach? I did not. So when I was in Texas, I participated in numerous things on campus, supported the Fearless Leadership Institute, which was a an organization, a professional and personal development organization for women of color on campus. And so that was one of the things I enjoyed. I also participated in the op-ed project there, which was a program that helps underrepresented voices learn to write and pitch op-eds to get, now, to get their voices. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I said to get their voices um, into publications. So last week, actually, I had an op-ed appear in Time magazine, and that was sort of a direct result of a lot of the things that I learned as a fellow in the op-ed public voices. Now, 
I, I mentioned uh, uh, earlier about your, your website. Uh, what is the website address? The website is mayasmart.com. So that's M-A-Y-A-S-M-A-R-T.com. Thank you. You're listening to Career Talk. We're joined today by Miss um, Maya Payne Smart, who is uh, the author of the book, Reading for Our Lives, A Literacy Action Plan from Birth to Six. And so we're going to hear more from Maya in just a little bit. So stay with us. Welcome back to Career Talk. We're here today with author Maya Payne Smart. She's also an educator and early literacy advocate. Um, what, you know, I know your book has, has just come out um, and, if, if, you know, if people were contacting you in terms of interviews and giving you an opportunity to, to really uh, talk about your book, um, what, are, what, are, uh, what other projects do you have planned for the future? The main project is just to continue to get the word out about the ideas and themes within the book. So lots of speaking at library association events and reading association and different, um, pretty much any opportunity to get in front of people who care about the next generation of readers. So I just want to be a voice to advocate for kids and to educate people about how important those early years are. I also hope to create some videos and kind of shorter, more digestible ways so that to make the book's content even more accessible for parents who sometimes themselves don't have the literacy level that's needed to read a 200-page book. So I've already recorded an audiobook version of the book, which I think will make the content really accessible for people who wouldn't be able to read it in a traditional format, but they can listen to it on their commute or um, while walking and get the information that way. But I think it's my life mission is to get this information um, out to people in all kinds of formats. Yes, I, I commend you on, on, on your mission. Um, now, if somebody is um, interested in having you as a speaker, how can they contact you? They can visit my website and go to mayasmart.com slash speaking. And there's a form there where they can enter in the information that they'd like to share about their event and a member of my team will get back to them right away. Now, uh, do you foresee your, um, yourself coming to the East coast? And I know you're in the Midwest, um, cause we're, we're here in, um, New Jersey, South Jersey, very close to Philadelphia. Uh, you have any speaking engagements coming up, coming in, uh, coming up in this area? I do not have any in-person speaking engagements in that area, but I do have a, a virtual event coming up with the um, Philadelphia Free Library. And oh, so yes. that's something that people could access um, wherever they may be. So that is something that's coming up. I believe it's next month. But yes, I'd love to get to the East Coast. I've done two events in Washington, D.C. that were wonderful and a great opportunity to share this message. So yes, I'm open to travel. Oh, great. Now, I know we're, we're getting close to the end of the show, and, and I want you to, to, to say as much as you can in terms of if there's anything else that you would like to add with regards to your book or uh, um, literacy um, in terms of reading or any aspect of uh, the, uh, any advice you can give to parents or even um, students as well. I would say to parents, just to use all of the resources that you have at your disposal to ensure that 
your child becomes a strong, fluent reader. In some cases, you'll be able to get a lot of the work done yourself through conversation and reading with them and teaching them the letters and what you can. And in other cases, you'll need schools and teachers to do the heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to use your voice to advocate for really high quality reading instruction in your child's school. So know that as a parent, you impact reading success by the conversations you have, by reading to them daily if possible, teaching them what you can, but also connecting with librarians, teachers, community resources, even pediatricians who can help you check to make sure your child is developing um, as well as they can at, at the pace that they can. And also, in some cases, you may want to spend money to pay for tutoring if you can. You may want to pay for educational experiences, sometimes go to the museum instead of the amusement park. But there's nothing um, more important that a parent can do besides keeping their child safe and making sure they feel loved and ensuring that they're a great reader. Because once they can read, they can learn anything. That's right. So true. And now the tip of the day. Stay precise. You should stay precise when it comes to a co- writing a cover letter. Don't beat around the bush. Make sure your cover letter is precise. Make sure that it tells a recruiter exactly who you are and what you want. You don't want to leave an employer guessing. And one more thing. Always make sure your application is crystal clear. You've been listening to Career Talk. I would like to thank my guest, educator, early literacy advocate, and the author of the book, Reading for Our Lives, A Literacy Action Plan from Birth to Six, Ms. Maya Payne Smart, for being on the show. So until thank ne- you. You're welcome. So until next time, stay positive, And remember, success does not come to you. You go to it. You've been listening to Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. Tune in on the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Career Talk, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.